contact you or just have a record of your attendance. There are cards, I believe, in the pew in front of you, uh, the back uh, portion there that you can fill out and uh, leave with one of the uh, individuals around you and they'll get it to uh, the appropriate person so that we can have a record of your uh, attendance. And we would encourage you to do so, um, obviously. Uh, the responsibilities this morning, uh, Mike has the table, uh, Andrew has the prayer and the reading, um, Trevor has the uh, closing prayer, Cy has the uh, song leading uh, responsibility, and Chris will be delivering uh, the message later. I wanted to take a minute or two to uh, update you on our efforts uh, to establish our groups uh, that we're, they're going to do. We said that they would begin in August, and the effort to initiate those is beginning in office, uh, August, but the groups will begin their work in September. Uh, we've attempted to identify our list of members. There are people who attend here on a regular basis. We don't know whether you are members or not unless you let us know that you want to be considered uh, as a member. Just because you are baptized here, you are baptized in the body of Christ, not as a member of this congregation. So uh, we're trying to clarify that list right now and make sure that the list of the uh, groups that we have and the individuals in each of those groups are indeed our regular working uh, serving, uh, contributing members to that effort. So uh, if your name is not on that list, and next week we hope to have a, a, uh, a finalized list or a quasi-finalized list uh, for you to check, and we'll have uh, copies of that, an updated uh, copy of that on the table out in the foyer. Um, so we need to hear from you if your name is not on that list and you think it should be. Uh, these are study groups and service groups. We often refer to them as life groups as well. Uh, we're attempting to initiate a monthly Bible study um, and monthly service projects. And uh, we hope to provide a little bit more clarification on that as well um, in, in future um, weeks, future days actually. Uh, outcomes, what we want to do obviously is grow closer as a, as a, a family. Um, a, a group of Christians working at a local congregation so that we can share one another's burdens, so that we can encourage one another and stimulate one another to uh, good deeds and love, and so that we can do the things that are needed uh, here at this local congregation to make sure we function effectively and um, promote ourselves appropriately uh, in the community as well. So that is our effort, and that is uh, our update on that. Um, before we begin, let's uh, bow for a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your being our Father and our God, our Creator, our Sustainer of life. We pray, Father, that as we assemble this morning to worship you, that we come acknowledging you as all of those descriptors, as all of those roles that you have played and continue to play in our lives. We pray, Father, that we will always revere not only you, but your Son, the Holy Spirit, your word that you have given us, and our responsibilities as Christians to live on a daily basis so that you would be proud to call us your child, your son, your daughter, a member of the Lord's body. We pray, Father, that as we worship this morning that we will do everything we can to do so according to the pattern that we find in the New Testament and that we do everything in spirit and in truth. And we pray, Father, that each of us will endeavor 
to clear our minds of earthly concerns and, and issues and focus our entire being on worshiping you this morning and doing everything we can to obtain the most from having been here. We ask, Father, that you forgive us of sins that we haven't repented of, that we do repent of at this time. We ask that from times as this, that we come together and worship you and draw strength from one another, that we will sin less in our life and that we will live for you and according to the pattern that we find in Scripture. We ask this prayer in your son's name. Amen. If you would, let's stand. We'll sing our first song. It's number 866. 866. I will call upon the Lord. I will call on the song is on the overhead only. It's 10,000 reasons. 10,000 reasons. Thank you. 
Our next song is The Greatest Commands. After this, Andrew will have our reading and prayer. Greatest Commands. The scripture reading for today is coming from 2 Kings chapter 4, 2 Kings 4, verses 1 to 7. Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know your servant feared the Lord, but the creditor is here to take my two children as his slaves. Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, Your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty the vessels, and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons, and pour all into these vessels. And once it is full, set it aside. So she went into the house for him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. 
and she poured as they brought the vessels to her. When the vessels were full, she said to her sons, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is none left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She came out and told the man of, and told the man of God, and he said, go and sell the oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on the rest. Will you pray with me, please? Uh, dear Lord, thank you for uh, gathering us all here today, Lord. Thank you for bringing us here to sing songs of praise to you and your name, Lord, and pray that you'll bless our worship service today, Lord. I pray that uh, as we sing these songs and pray and hear songs, uh, hear songs sung and uh, hear a lesson from Chris, Lord, I pray that you'll bless us and allow us to really be enlightened by them so that we can go out and be good examples of you to the, to the world, Lord, and I pray that you'll bless us as we worship, and I pray that you'll continue to watch over us and help all those who are sick that need you, Lord. I ask all this in your son's name. Amen. Our next song is number 950, Lamb of God.
this is the time we're going to set aside to take the Lord's Supper. And as we take these emblems each and every week, the challenge can be for us not to minimize what we're remembering and make sure that we are giving it its proper focus and attention. And this time of remembering Jesus Christ and his death on the cross as Christians should be the most important thing that we do each and every week and is central to our worship here this morning. And to think about the love that God has shown us through his son and the hope that we have because of the sacrifice on the cross cannot be matched by anything that, that's given to us in this world, anything that can be going through our minds right now. One of my favorite passages to reflect upon at this time comes from Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. And just two chapters earlier in Romans chapter 3, Paul is telling the church at Rome that, that we're all sinners. It doesn't matter where we come from, um, what we've done in the past, we're all sinners. And verse 23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Looking at Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11, it reads, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only, not only this, but we also exalt in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. This is why we remember, and this is why taking the Lord's Supper is central to our worship. You know, these verses for me are, are very humbling. They remind us of who we are without Christ. You know, verse 6 says, "Help! we were helpless, we're ungodly. Verse 8, sinners. Verse 10, enemies. But it also tells us that through Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross that we now have reconciliation with God. So let's pray for the bread. Dear God, we come to you at this time, Lord, thanking you so much for this opportunity to reflect upon the events of the cross, to reflect upon your son, Jesus. We can't thank you enough, Father, for, for your son, for loving us so much that you would send him to, to take our place upon the cross, to die for our sins, so that we can have that reconciliation with you, Father. Father, thank you for your church family here, for the opportunity for all of us to remember at this time. We pray that we will clear our minds of any other distractions and, and put them solely on, on your son, Jesus. Father, we ask your blessings upon the bread, which represents Jesus' body. And it's through Jesus we pray these things. Amen.
So this summer at church camp, um, our theme was creation, and um, we spent the week talking about the strong evidence that, evidences that we have for creation, and just by looking around is, um, you know, gives us a, a strong evidence for a creator in God, and that um, Psalm 8, the uh, thinking about David and what he's looking at, looking at the skies and the stars and the moon, that he pens these words in verses three, 3 and 4. It says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and stars which you have ordained, what is man that you take thought of him, and the son of man that you care for him? And I think when we think about God and the creator of the universe and we look around at everything that he's created, the oceans, the mountains, the the stars at night when we look up that, and, and David thought the same thing, it's amazing that he would take thought of us. And more than that, he pours his love upon us through his son, Jesus Christ. Let's give thanks for the fruit of the vine. Dear God, we come to you once again, Lord, thanking you so much for, for your love that you tell us you pour upon us, Father. We thank you for that love uh, that was revealed to us through your son, Jesus. We thank you so much for the events of the cross, for Jesus' willingness to, to die for our sins, and for that blood that washes us clean, Father. Thank you for that, and, and pray that we always cling to that, Father, and, and never forget that. Father, we ask your blessings upon the fruit of the vine at this time. I ask that you bless each one of us as we partake of it. And it's through Jesus Christ we do pray. Amen. That concludes the Lord's Supper. At this time, we have an opportunity to, uh, to give back as we've been prospered. And just a reminder of the, the bins in the back of the auditorium that you can drop your, drop your offering in as, as convenient for you. Let's go to God in prayer. Father in heaven, we approach you at this time thanking you, Lord, for all the many blessings that you have given to each one of us as a, as a church family, as individuals, in our own families. You've given us so much, Father. And Pray that uh, you be with those that are, are struggling, uh, those in eastern Kentucky, those that um, in, in various countries that, that know poverty, Father, and we pray that you'd be with each of them, and just pray that you'd be with us, Father, that we will be cheerful givers, that we'll look to, to do good with what you've blessed us with, and we ask your blessings upon your church here at Rome, and ask your blessings upon the funds that are collected, that they'll be used in a manner that that pleases you, that follows your word, and that we can use those funds to reach those in our own community to, to bring more people to know you, Father. Just be with us, watch over us, and it's through Jesus we do pray. Amen. If you would, let's stand. Sing our next song, number 213. He gave me a song. This time the young children may go to the children's Bible hour.
song of invitation will be what the Lord has done in me. Good morning. Welcome. If you have noticed uh, faces or some faces maybe you haven't seen in a while, uh, some of our friends from Fort Hill have joined us for worship this morning. We're excited to have them here with us. Um, Grab your Bibles and turn to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings 4, this is the passage that uh, Andrew read for us this morning. I've been, been uh, in the middle of this series, and we're calling uh, Lost and Founds. We're talking about some things that we've lost and some things that we've found over, over the quarantine, over COVID, some things that, that maybe we need to focus again on. I think we're finally getting to a spot where we can move forward and see past this thing, right? So let's do that. Let's look for some things that we've lost and find those things because we've lost some things that we should not have been lost, right? One of the things I think we've lost is is encouragement. How many of us got discouraged during that span, right? And still struggling with that during illness, during times of separation from each other, we feel that discouragement. So I wanted to bring you a word this morning from 2 Kings 4 that I hope will encourage you. You saw the passage there this morning as Andrew read it for you. Uh, I want to focus in again on verse 1. 
2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, but the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. Discouragement will happen. Life and death happens, doesn't it? It's one of the constant things that we always have to deal with. Another one of the things that we deal with on a regular basis is Satan comes at us to try to tempt us, to try to pull us away from God. These are things that are fairly constant for us. And so if you are feeling discouraged this morning, I have good news. This discouragement that you're feeling is actually good news. It's, it can be comforting. If you weren't impacting Satan, he would be doing the bare minimum to keep you. But since you're feeling discouraged this morning, if you are feeling discouraged, it's because he is coming at you. You're dealing with some of the things that we deal with because we live in a fallen world. There, there are disasters. Uh, we are familiar, of course, with the flooding that's going on in eastern Kentucky right now. Just a couple of hours away from here, people have lost everything, right? We're familiar, of course, with, with cancer and various diseases that so many of our congregation are struggling with and we hurt for them. And these things are discouraging. And when we're drawn away from each other like we have been in the past, that's, that's discouraging, isn't it? Satan uses these things to pull us even farther away from, from God. And so if you're discouraged this morning, that can be comforting news because it means you're impacting him. If you weren't hurting his kingdom, Satan's got a kingdom too. Did you know that? If you weren't hurting his kingdom, if you weren't making an impact, drawing people away from him, moving yourself away from him, if you weren't doing those things, he would do, be doing the bare minimum to keep you. But you're making an impact. And so he is pulling out all the stops in an effort to keep you or to draw you farther away from him. This is his M.O. Go back to the Old Testament book of Job. You're familiar with Job, I'm sure. You know... Uh, his story, but what I want you to see is how Satan acts with God's people. Job chapter 1. You may have never thought about Job in this light before, but I want you to, to think maybe in a little bit different vein uh, today about Satan's motivations and the traps that he uses to trick us and to pull us away from God. And I think you'll see some similarities this morning. Job chapter 1, starting in verse 6. He says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and walking up and down on it. And then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job, does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. What is Satan's MO here? What is the, the trick that he's trying to use to pull us away from God? He thinks that if he takes something from you, that if he can take some of your possessions from you, if he can affect your bank account or some of the things that you value, if he can take those things away from you, you will fall. Is he right? Sometimes he's scary right, right? 
How many times have you seen that happen in your own life? When something is taken from you, that you, your faith does take an impact, right? It, your faith is, is hurt because of, of this thing that's happened. I'm not saying he causes those things to happen anymore. I don't think he does. I think God has restricted his movement in this way. He, he's, he's bound him. And so he doesn't have this kind of power anymore. But I do think that the consequence of living in this place, we struggle. And I think Satan uses those struggles to pull us farther away from him, from God, right? To bring us closer to him. I think he's using the discouragement that comes as living in a, in a place like this. I think he uses those things to pull us away from God. And I think that's what he's always done. Even when he had the power that he exhibits in the book of Job, even when he had that kind of power, he still does the same thing. He thinks that if he can take enough stuff away from you, that your faith will fail. Now you might automatically just think, well, Satan doesn't know me very well. He doesn't value my faith very well. He doesn't understand how dedicated I am. But oftentimes he's right, isn't it? Oftentimes, if you can take enough stuff from someone and you see that with natural disasters, with health issues and things like that, if you can take enough stuff from someone, their faith will falter. The opposite of that is true too, though, isn't it? If something is taken from someone, they have a decision to make, right? If possessions or hard times fall on someone, they have a decision to make. They can falter like Satan hopes you will, or you can get closer to God. Because he's the answer to our problems, right? Satan thinks that you're going to falter. In fact, he's, he's betting on it. It doesn't work with Job. It's not enough. Satan hasn't done enough with Job to make his faith falter. In fact, it's just a couple verses after the ones we read this morning where Job sits in his misery, in his heartbreak over the loss of everything that he has worked for and everything that he loves, and he worships. That's an, some incredible faith, isn't it? So Satan's number one ploy didn't work. He's not going to pull out all the stops if, if something easy will work. He's, he's going to use the easy thing. And so his number one tool seems to be, at least from the book of Job, seems to be he takes some stuff from us, and that can cause discouragement, can't it? This is how he functions. But look on down in Job chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When taking the stuff from Job didn't work, what is Satan's next ploy? You may be familiar with it as well. Job chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan was also, also came among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? He still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, all that a man has he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. What did Satan, when, when taking the possessions away from Job didn't work, what, did, what was Satan's next ploy? What was his next tool? He's going to take away his health. Have you ever experienced that? 
when you get sick, when you get the diagnosis, or when someone close to you gets the diagnosis and they struggle or even die, that can be, is obviously very discouraging for us. That, that hurts and that's hard. And that is Satan using the natural world that we live in to discourage us. Interestingly, this is exactly what Satan used against Peter. And it's the, exactly what the outcome is for Peter anyhow. Uh, flip over to the Gospels. Uh, in Luke chapter 22, verse 31. Luke 22, verse 31. This is obviously before Jesus' crucifixion. It's before Peter's denial of Jesus. And Jesus sees it coming. And he's trying to warn Peter that it's coming. And Peter just, he can't hear it yet. He will eventually hear it. But he just can't understand that there would be a point in time in which he would ever betray Jesus. It's coming though. And Jesus knows it's coming. And he's going to try to tell him uh, what's going on and try to encourage him a little bit. But listen to what he says here. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. So there is uh, Jesus' acknowledgement of, of Peter's upcoming betrayal. But flip over to Matthew. All four of the, the gospel writers record it. But Matthew records something interesting for us today. Matthew 26, verse 74. Matthew 26, 74. This is as Peter is betraying Jesus. Starting verse 69. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up and said to him, You also were with, the, with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. Now, why would he do that? This is the same Peter who just hours earlier in the Garden of, Gethse uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane had drawn his sword and had cut off the, the right ear of Malchus, the, the servant of the high priest. This is the same guy who just a day or so earlier was willing to die for Jesus. Why is he now saying, I don't, I don't know him? Because the plan that he had with the sword unraveled. And it didn't go the way he thought it was going to go. And now all he can see before him is what? Death. He's going to be next. He's going to be carrying the cross next. It's going to be his back that's laid open with the scourge next. And so he is afraid. That's exactly what Satan did to Job, isn't it? He threatened him with physical violence. And Peter capitulates. He falls for it. Listen to what he says here. And in, uh, in verse 71, and when he went up to when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him and said, she said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. And after a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, certainly you two are one of them for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke. There's that word. He invent, he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. It's interesting to me that Job, that Satan in Job says, if you take his life, if you put pressure on his life, that he will curse you to your face. It's literally what Peter does. 
when, li- when his life is put under pressure. He literally curses God. It's interesting, right? Discouragement will come. Maybe you're in the middle of it right now. It can be comforting news. In the back of your head, it may not be the first thing you think, but in the back of your head, you've got to understand that you're being discouraged because you're putting, you're having an impact on Satan's kingdom. You're doing good work. Some of the things that we fall forth as discouragement are just symptoms of living in this place, but Satan uses those things. He's in the back of your head, isn't he, pulling those strings, trying to get you to go closer, to pull you closer to himself and farther away from God. He uses discouragement to do this. And these are two of the things that he uses to, these tools that he uses to bring us closer to him and farther away from God. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. You're doing a good work. Don't come down now. If you're discouraged, you need to see that as an attack by Satan and fight it off like you would any other kind of attack. Discouragement is certainly a part of life and Satan uses it to bring us down. Go back to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. There's something else you need to see in this first verse. You need to, go, you need to know where to go to find encouragement. So this lady, this widow, comes to Elisha and she says, my husband feared God. He, he was your servant and he was doing a good work. So discouragement will come to you even if, especially if, you're doing a good work. It did for this guy and it will for you as well. You just need to know how to deal with it. And so we're going to talk about how to deal with it. So this widow comes to Elisha and she says, My children are about to be sold into slavery. What can, what can you do? But it's interesting where she goes to receive the encouragement that she needs. She goes to God's man. She goes to God's man. If you are discouraged, you are in exactly the right place because the church is the one who can encourage, who should be encouraging you. We've got our life groups coming up. Rick was talking about that a little bit this morning. Those are opportunities for us to grow closer together, to know each other's burdens so we can help each other carry those things. Discouragement is one of those things that gets underneath your skin and it just kind of rides with you for a little bit. But like a poison, it slowly begins to kill you. Together, as the church, we can encourage one another and, and help each other out of this discouragement. That's what this lady does. She comes to God's men because she knows he has the answer. We don't have all the answers, right? We don't have all of them. But this particular one, we do have the answer to. You be around God's people if you want to be encouraged. Often discouragement wants us to pull back, doesn't it? We want to extricate ourselves. We want to be alone. And that's Satan talking in the back of your head again. To be encouraged, you have to be around the right kind of people. These people, God's people. She went to the right place for encouragement. If you are discouraged, you need to be here. You need to be forming these relationships, these tight-knit relationships where you can lean on each other, where we can draw strength from each other. And these life groups are going to be very functional to do that. And so be, be looking forward to getting plugged into those things, to becoming active members in those things. Um, if you're looking to encourage, often there are people around us all the time that need encouragement that we don't know because we're not paying attention, right? We're not, we don't have eyes to see. 
often we're living our lives and we're just kind of going about our, our routine, our work, our job, our families. And we miss sometimes, sometimes the folks who really need the encouragement because we don't have eyes to see. Those of us who are encouraged, who, who, are, who are looking for uh, folks to encourage, we need to keep our eyes open so that we can actually see these needs. Look again at 2 Kings chapter 4. Look at verse 2 this time. 2 Kings 4 verse 2. And Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in the house? And she said, Your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Oftentimes we overlook our blessings when we're discouraged. What's this lady got? She, she doesn't have a lot, right? She's a widow. She is struggling financially to the point that her creditors, people that she owes money to, are coming in, um, uh, in to take her children into slavery to pay off her debts. So she doesn't have really anything. And she, she kind of looks around her house, I guess, when he asks this question. Maybe mentally, maybe she physically goes back to the house and she looks around. What she sees, she doesn't see anything except there's a little jar of oil in the back. A lot of scholars think that it's, it's probably like that. It's not like a water bottle or anything. It's, it's a small, small flask, a small little jar of oil. It seems to be what the word here indicates. It's not, not a five-gallon bucket. It's a tiny little jar of oil. It's inconsequential. She probably missed it on the first look around her house. Didn't notice it. How often do we do that with our blessings, right? We do that a lot, I'm afraid. We don't, we don't see them. We don't concentrate on them. We overlook them, right? Let me tell you how easy this is. Do you remember when the children of Israel were walking around the wilderness? How did God feed them? Do you remember? It's manna, right? He literally send, sent little tiny loaves of bread from the sky. <laughs> These little, little uh, circular things of bread from the sky rained them down. And you know what the children of Israel said? Oh, I wish we could have died in Egypt. <laughs> Are you crazy? And then he sent uh, quail in so, such numerous amounts that the people couldn't even eat them all. And this happened for 40 years with the manna. Every day there was new manna, right? Every day. He's, he's trying to get them to learn how to trust him. But every day there's new manna. And you know what they did? They overlooked it. Isn't that funny? You would think if something was raining from the sky that wasn't rain, you would pay attention to it, especially if this was your food source. They don't. They overlook it. We overlook our blessings. It's so easy to do, isn't it? This lady has overlooked her blessings. She doesn't even know. She's discounted it completely. I don't have anything in the house. I've got this little jar of oil. But it ended up being the thing that was used to save her, wasn't it? And so the rest of the story uh, is that she is told by Elisha to go out and gather in all of the, the jars from her friends. Go get empty jars and a lot of them. And so that's what she does. She goes around to all of her friends. She gets jars that are empty and she gets a ton of them. And she goes back to her house and she shuts the door. Isn't that interesting? She shuts the door. I think that's interesting. She shuts the door. She does this thing in private and she, uh, her, uh, she starts pouring in the jar uh, and every time she pours out this tiny little jar, the jar, the oil that's in the jar, and it fills these massive buckets full of oil. Crazy, right? And the first time, she had to feel silly doing this, right? Because she takes this little 
little glass, and it's got oil in it, and she pours it in the, in the big bucket, and she's got to be thinking, this is crazy. And it just keeps pouring, and it keeps pouring until that bucket's full. And I wonder if she was scared to upright the vessel, wondered if maybe worried that maybe that the oil would just stop flowing then. So I wonder if maybe the boys just, her sons just brought the next thing in and she just kept pouring the, into the next vessel until she said, bring the next one in. And the son said, there's, there's not anymore. They're all full. And so she goes back to Elisha. What do I do now? <laughs> well, go sell all this stuff and pay your debts and you and your boys can live on, on what's left. Often we overlook our blessings, right? God's done something in your life, has, has worked in your life in some respect so that you have blessings and, and honestly more than you can count, more than you're focusing on. Even in the midst of your discouragement, they're there. We just have to find them, right? So if you're struggling this morning, maybe, maybe some of these thoughts have been helpful for you. As you stick with God's people, don't, don't extricate yourself from the church. Don't, don't, don't be alone. There's no need to be alone. The church is the one place where you can go to find encouragement. These tight-knit relationships that we're, that we're making here, these are where encouragement is found. This is where help is found. Then also focus on your blessings, right? Count those Count those blessings. Focus on them. These things will hopefully help you out of discouragement. This morning, if you have not been baptized, that's the very first step into God's family, right? Uh, He washes away all of your sins and He welcomes you into the family as a brand new creation. Maybe you've already made that decision this morning and you just need the prayers of this congregation to be who God would have you to be. If you have any need this morning, why don't you come as we stand and sing.
Good morning, church family. If you're visiting with us, we are glad you decided to worship with us this morning. If you can take a moment to fill out a visitor card to let us have a record. If you're visiting with us, we'd greatly appreciate that. Um, it's good to see all these lovely kids here. Uh, sure do love them. Uh, it's been a joy seeing them grow up at Fort Hill. Um, last night, we had 52 at Shauna Leap's house. Uh, thank you for Leaps for hosting and uh, opening your home to us. But um, we had 52 there. Uh, we sang some songs around the campfire. Uh, Thomas had a devotional. And uh, there was a hardcore game of cornhole. Uh, Derek really gets into it, guys. I mean, you, you may want to play with him. I mean, he, if he loses, I mean, it's – I'm joking. But uh, – but uh, they, we all had a great time. It was a lot of fun at the Leap's house. Um, but uh, it's great to have all, all you guys here and girls uh, here with us this morning. Um, also, uh, other news, um, today's a sad day. Uh, it's Sam Moore's last day with us. Uh, Sam uh, has come to us from Faulkner as our youth intern. Uh, has worked with us all summer. He's done a fantastic job. Um, kids have loved him. I've loved him. Um, he's so talented, um, and he will definitely be missed. Um, but he will have the devotional tonight, um, so I do encourage you to come back to hear him speak for one, one more time, and um, we'll have a little get-together for him uh, after uh, services. Um, we may end up throwing him to sing, singing, closing prayer, and... Uh, no, I'm joking, Sam. We're not going to make you do everything, buddy. But, uh, but it's a sad day uh, to see him uh, leave. But today's his last day. He moves on Monday morning. So keep him in your prayers as he travels. Um, also, uh, uh, don't forget, uh, next Sunday, August 14th, will be the middle school and high school devotional at the Trevathan's house. Um, so everybody's welcome to come to that. Also, Tuesday, August 16th, Young at Heart at 1030. Um, also, out there in the middle foyer on the door, as you walk in, to, as you walk in the middle auditorium where the fellowship hall is at, on the left-hand side on the brown doors, there's an apple tree. Now, those apples that are on that tree are uh, things the preschool needs uh, for starting school on the 18th. Uh, it's right around the corner, so if you can help out the preschool by buying uh, supplies and laying them on that chair in front of the apple tree, I know... Uh, the preschool uh, director and uh, teachers would definitely appreciate that. Uh, so if you can help out with that, uh, um, please help out. Um, also, uh, um, since we have the teens here, I want to mention that Freed Hardman University, uh, they're hosting a youth rally called Rush, October 7th through the 9th. So please put that in your calendars, October 7th through the 9th, Freed Hardman's uh, holding a youth rally, and also Fort Hill is doing a youth rally as well, November the 4th through the 5th. Um, so let's get together again and uh, do this all over again, but uh, we can never get around each other enough. So, um, And also August 18th, uh, starting school, we will be um, having a prayer around the flagpole just to pray for our kids to start school year off right and um, so if you can make that, uh, that will be at 7.30 in the morning at, uh, here at the building. 
And then also, uh, we're starting fifth quarterback Friday night from 9.30 to 11.30 on August 19th will be the first home game. Um, who do y'all, who, who's Fairland play? I can't even read that. Portsmouth? Is that right? Port, Portsmouth West. Thank you. Thank you, Mason. And good article, by the way, Mason. Um, the, uh, but Portsmouth West, they will be playing it at home. So I do encourage you to make it to the games and come back here for the fifth quarter. It should be a lot of fun uh, hanging out with the kids. Updates on our prayer list. Remember, continue to keep Richard McDonald in your prayers. Uh, Mariner, continue to pray for Vicki uh, uh, Vicky Bowen and Sandy Galloway. Also, continue to keep uh, uh, Janie and, and uh, Glenn Judge, that's Chad's mom and dad, in your prayers. And also, Jennifer Baker in your prayers as well. That's all the announcements I have. Looking forward to seeing everybody again this, this evening at 6 o'clock. We will sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer. Our last song this morning is number is it's not a number. It's a Mansion Robin Crown. If you would let's stand for this song, please. Mansion Robin Crown. Father God, we thank you for the day and all the blessings of it. Thank you for this time that we've had to be in your house to hear more about you and to learn more about your word. Lord, be with us as we go out into the world. May we take it with us and spread it. Lord, be with those who are traveling today. Keep them safe. Lord, thank you for Sam and his efforts and his work here. We pray that you would guide and direct him in his future. Be with us, Lord, and guide us and direct us until we meet again. In Jesus' name, amen. Fort Hill crew, uh, we have pizza for y'all in the middle auditorium.